Welcome to Unsupervised Learning, a security and tech-focused podcast that looks at the ideas, patterns, and models that help you thrive in a changing world. All right, welcome to Unsupervised Learning. This is Daniel Meisler. Starting off with security news, the U.S. says COVID was most likely a lab leak. The U.S. Department of Energy says a lab leak was the most likely cause of the 2020 COVID outbreak. This honestly seems extremely likely to me. It always has. But I didn't know the science enough to know the likelihood of the natural alternative, right? Because the wet market thing sounded plausible as well. And I just, I'm not an expert on it, so I just didn't know. But uh, this would not surprise me at all. And uh, I became pretty much convinced last week when Sam Harris had on a couple of experts on his podcast who talked through all the evidence. And here are the biggest pieces for me. First, the proximity of the lab to the outbreak source. The fact that these types of leaks happen remarkably often is the second one. And the third one is the fact that this lab is perhaps the most famous in the world for doing this kind of gain of function research. And finally, the fact that researchers there specifically got approved to work on finding harmless viruses and looking at how they might become dangerous, which is covered in the podcast. There's basically a paper out there outlining exactly what they were trying to do. And yeah, you add all those up and it's like, come on, this is pretty ridiculous. And that was my first reaction within like 30 seconds of hearing about, you know, Wuhan and the fact that there's a lab there. And that's a lot of people who thought that immediately, but it doesn't mean it was right. It doesn't mean, you know, the easiest explanation is always the right one. And like I said, there's also the wet market. So that that could have been a source as well. So the idea around this gain of function research is actually pretty interesting. I, I am able to steel man this whole thing. A lot of people are like, no, it's, it's horribly evil, but let me just steel man it for you. Their idea is that the next big one, the next real pandemic, right, which could kill 50% of people it infects or whatever, could come from bats. It could come from these harmless viruses that are currently in bats. What they want to do is they want to go and collect those viruses, the harmless ones. They want to figure out how best it might evolve into the real thing. And then they want to have vaccines already prepared so that if it happens, from one of the likely sources will be ready and they'll be able to start distributing the vaccine and far fewer people will die. That is the whole steel man case for why you would want to do gain of function research. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense to me. The reason I'm against it is because, uh, it's not working. (laughs) Our labs are not keeping the stuff safe, right? I've got a list here in the newsletter of like how many high security labs have released things. And it's like, it's not a small number. It's not three things. It's not 10 things. It's like dozens of these incidents. So yeah, I I would say it's just not safe right now, but the idea is a good one. An Azure cloud server for Department of Defense customers, which houses sensitive data, but not classified documents, was left unsecured and exposed three terabytes of internal military emails. And many of these emails were related to SOCOM, which conducts special military operations. The server was misconfigured to not have a password. Kind of the worst misconfiguration. I don't know. Maybe being publicly exposed is a close tie. And the researcher who found it alerted TechCrunch. And TechCrunch then told the military, 
this is not the ideal workflow, but maybe he thought it would be taken more seriously coming from media. Kind of makes sense. 40,000 Dota 2 players have been permabanned after they were caught cheating using third-party software. The security engineers for Valve figured out a number of data calls that would never be made by legitimate users and then permanently banned every account who made those calls. Really aggressive, and I like it. The DNA database for DNA Diagnostic Center was compromised by attackers, resulting in the loss of over 2 million people's personal data. When I say personal data, I mean their DNA. The company said they didn't even notice that the data was stolen because it was stored in an old database. Amazing. My advice, if you use such a service, you should do so only assuming that your worst enemies have your DNA. And if you're okay with that, you should be fine. I personally am okay with that because I think that my life will be over far before anyone could weaponize this knowledge. And that is the threat model that I'm operating under. I am worried eventually in some kind of universe about China or Russia or North Korea having my DNA. But this is not the type of thing where an average person downloads it and they make some kind of powder and they sprinkle it on your food and you end up getting sick and dying. Like it's not, it's not a tangible thing to be worrying about in my opinion. And I think people who do worry about this have an improper threat model, but not everyone's threat model is the same. If you are super young, maybe this is more of a concern. I'm just personally not worried about DNA-based attacks. In the grand scale of things, and given how easy it is to hurt someone in other ways. Google's bug bounty program had a record year in 2022, with the company paying out over $12 million to researchers. As I've said before, that number still seems low. Attackers are putting up fake tweets, Facebook pages, and websites promising sweet, sweet GPT prompts. And they are successfully tricking people into downloading malware. Soon we'll need supply chains for prompt engineering. And Cisco has released multiple security advisories. Technology news. Meta is doing a limited researcher release of its new LLM called LLAMA, short for Large Language Model Meta AI. Meta said they can outperform models with far more parameters, specifically saying they could outperform GPT-3 using only 13 billion parameters, but the full LLAMA model has 65 billion parameters. The real challenge, however, for them, in my opinion, is seeing if people actually take to LLAMA the way they have ChatGPT. Will it be user-friendly? Will it be as powerful? And how will it handle all the attempts to abuse it, as we've seen with pretty much every AI system that gets launched? by a big company. And speaking of OpenAI, it looks like OpenAI will soon launch a new platform that lets developers run the latest models on their own dedicated OpenAI hardware. Prompt engineering is definitely hot right now, but I wonder a couple of things. Who is hiring prompt engineers, if anyone? And is that like, I don't know, is it a real title? Like, how do you look for open positions? Asking for a friend, and also myself. And how long should we expect the job to last, right? Because it seems to me like one of the first things AI will improve on is its own ability to make amazing prompts better on the back end using more natural language from the user. 
but perhaps that will come more slowly than I'm thinking. I still think it's a great skill set to have regardless, because as this article in this newsletter uh, points out, it's more about understanding the psychology of the AI. And the better you do that, the better your results will be. A Chinese company called Timu, Timu maybe, did a bunch of Super Bowl ads and they're massively paying off. Their downloads and active users surged on the big day, but have continued to grow afterwards. They did even more traffic than Target in the month of February. So what are they? They're essentially online shopping. I just took a look. It looks like Target. Bunch of uh, knickknacks. Kind of nice web interface, but it's a Chinese competitor to Target. So I will probably be using Target. More Twitter layoffs. It looks like Twitter's laid off another 10% of employees and Elon just came out and said that anyone who's left will be getting large stock grants. Probably to keep people from freaking out even more and leaving. And Apple has secured TSMC's entire stock of three nanometer chips, which it intends to use for iPhone 15s and M3 Max. Three nanometer is supposed to be 35% more power efficient than four nanometer. Now I just hope they make a Mac Pro out of these things. Or two of them put together, or four of them put together. I want to see a really sick Mac Pro this time. Human news. Scott Adams finally got himself properly canceled. Books, Dilbert, pretty much everything. He went on YouTube and proceeded to rant for a very long time about a poll that said some percentage of black people don't think it was okay to be white. The poll was worth discussing, but he took the opportunity to declare that this is why he moved to wherever he lives, which I think might be Danville, so he could get away from black people. Then he tripled down and told all white people to get as far away as possible from black people because it's a hate group. And now he's on Twitter complaining about being canceled. Like, how could you possibly have foreseen that that would happen? Oh, so smart to be so stupid. A new and very large study has concluded there is, in fact, a steep increase in mortality for extra body weight that increases with the amount of extra body weight. And importantly, this starts at just the overweight threshold, not just at extreme BMIs. The study says previous data were wrong because they were factoring in time when the patient had lower BMIs. So the TLDR is that the data show pretty clearly that being normal weight for long periods of time is one of the best ways to extend life. Or Said in the opposite way, if you spend 5, 10, 20 years being severely overweight, it massively increases your chances of dying. So any extra weight is bad. That is a note to self. Because I have a lot of it. A new drug called Monjaro, this is right in point with the previous one, has become a complete sensation on social media by word of mouth. It evidently completely removes one's desire to eat, and people are reporting numbers like 25 pounds lost in three months. I have a friend who lost like 15 pounds in a week on it, and it's a once a week injection and evidently is not painful, according to my friend. And the problem is that it's super expensive without the right insurance, and it's hard to come by now because it's so popular. And actually, a lot of people with diabetes, who was who it was originally made for, aren't able to get it because a whole bunch of people like Elon Musk are getting it for weight loss. So I'm kind of thinking about exploring it. I don't know. I, I feel bad because 
there's also data that says when you come off of it, you gain the weight back, which makes sense because you start eating again and eating makes you gain weight. So I am thinking I would rather have a long-term plan, but I've been trying to do that for a long time and I'm still fairly overweight. feel pretty good. I feel athletic. I'm doing my routine. I'm working out. There's lots of positives, but this is basically saying, ignore all that. You can't have extra weight and hope to not have worse morbidity or I guess higher morbidity is the way to say that. And the CD says this year's flu shot was a particularly good one in that it reduced the chance of hospital admission by the flu by three quarters in children and half in adults. And it's kind of weird. The amount of protection that comes in each year's shots is quite variable because researchers basically have to pick which strains to protect against. And that is not an exact science. So sometimes they pick wrong and you get hardly any protection. But this year was evidently good. And U.S. LGBT identification is holding steady at 7.2%. Ideas and analysis. So this one is, uh, most young men are single, most young women are not. We're starting to see more mainstream attention on the issue of unsuccessful young men, specifically how many there are. First, a couple of numbers from this article here, 63% of young men are single, but only 34% of young women are single. That's like almost half. More women own homes than men, and women are becoming very choosy about who they date. Then you add in the percentage of violence and school shootings done by men, and the numbers are extraordinary. I said last year that young, unsuccessful white men would become the primary cause of terrorism in coming decades. And that's like worldwide, including the U.S., I, I think. And I believe this is a good prediction. Separate from the solutions, what troubles me most is that people like Peterson and Galloway get attacked when they advocate for men, as if to do so is inherently anti-women. I think it's actually the opposite. The healthier the man, the better the partner he can be to a woman. And the biggest threat to a woman is an unhealthy man, right? With low self-esteem and, you know, no prospects. Like, they're likely to be just bad and potentially violent and aggressive and all the bad things. So, one of the final points that Galloway mentions in this video interview here is an interesting but disturbing one. He said this is actually just returning to normal because traditionally the top tier of men have always had the most access to women. He says the last 60 years have been the exception caused by World War II, the GI Bill, and strong manufacturing jobs. And now that those are played out, we're regressing back to the mean. That is disturbing. And it reminds me of Piketty's analysis of income inequality, where he says the natural state is highly unequal, but that it gets equalized every once in a while by war, famine, or pandemic. So I guess that's good news. Yeah. So I just hope we're going to get to talk about this more in a way that doesn't come off as anti-women because yeah, a giant population of unhealthy men is, is not a good thing. Notes come join us in UL's new home on discord. You can uh, sign up for the Discord server if you are already a member or you can subscribe to join and you will get an auto invite set to you. My buddy Leaf's latest blog on building a culture where everyone shares their work is now up. It's the follow-up to his previous piece that we shared a week or two ago. And I'm working on a major essay about how I think 
AI will change and destroy existing software. And I'm hopefully releasing that this week. Discovery. Scrapey, a fast, high-level web crawling and scraping framework written in Python. Scifi, input encrypted text, get back to encrypted text. Obviously, it doesn't do magic, so there's some caveats there. Faraday, an open-source vulnerability management platform. CVE Vulnerability Information Downloader downloads information from NIST, first.org, and CISA, and combines them into one list. Reports from vulnerability scanners like OpenVAS can be enriched with this information to prioritize remediation. Fingerprint.com identify anonymous site visitors with 99.5% accuracy to prevent online fraud. And none of these are sponsors, by the way. If you don't hear that whoosh sound, and then me talking like I'm talking about a sponsor, then it's not a sponsor. And you'll also hear the whoosh sound when it leaves. These here, these are just tools that are mentioned in the discovery section. Uh, where are we at here? Oh, and we've also got a prosthetic finger to make pictures of criminals' hands look like they were created by AI and therefore inadmissible. I think that's brilliant. So you basically slip it over your finger, like your ring finger or whatever, and it like has an extra finger sitting there. So if someone photographs the uh, criminal at the scene of the crime and they see the hand, they're like, look, that's totally fake. Totally fake. This is obviously a deep fake of this person. They weren't actually there. I think this is a cooler idea than it actually is in practice. I doubt it would actually work, but still a cool idea. And I can't even tell if this is a meme or not, but there's a TikTok filter going around. And again, I can't tell if it's actually just a switcheroo where someone puts on makeup and then they look really good and then they take the makeup off and they're like, oh, this is a filter. That could be a thing that's definitely very TikTok-like to have a joke like that. But if it's not, then what they're talking about is real, which is they're saying there's a filter that makes you look absolutely gorgeous in a very natural way that you can't even tell. So like you can cover your face and it doesn't like switch on and off. It's just like very natural blending. Um, and it, a lot of the women are saying that it's just going to be very unhealthy because it makes you look so much better. And then when you turn it off, you look so much worse, but it has all the hallmarks to me of being actually a joke. And it, they actually just put a whole bunch of time into looking really good. So let me know which one it is. Um, if, if you're the type of person to follow up on that, or I might look at it myself and, and figure it out. And, uh, Got a cool article here called The Meetings Are the Work. The Meetings Are the Work. And it basically starts off by saying, uh, you've probably read a million articles where people are like, oh, I wish I can get rid of these meetings so I can go do real work. And this article is basically saying, uh, hate to tell you, but getting together with people and solving problems actually is the work. So I thought it was good, especially since I'm usually in the category complaining about that. Nice to be forced to uh, rethink things. And really cool video here, the downfall of Google. What happened to Google search? This guy does a really nice breakdown of how crappy Google search has become. And the recommendation of the week, raise your prompt game and incorporate AI into your life. So it might be a while before AI can perfectly write its own prompts. And even when it can, it'll still need your natural language input, which is like pure English text or voice you know, dictation or whatever to do the backend prompt building. 
So spend some time to get good at this. Learn to make AI do what you want it to do. And I've got a few tips for you here about that. First, keep the OpenAI chatbot, ChatGPT, open in its own window and just keep it there all the time. It's, uh, it's really, really good. And second one is go and replace Siri with ChatGPT for you Apple users. And you can't actually replace it. So you're not, you're not going to do that. You're not going to replace Siri, but make a shortcut. I've got, I've got a tutorial here. Just go check it out. It's actually in the top of the newsletter. Get used to using that shortcut, right? So you call Siri, then you say the name of the shortcut, and then you ask your question. You're actually talking to ChatGPT. Get used to using that. Review your favorite art on the Midjourney Showcase and take note of the prompts that are used. What's really cool about it is you roll over it, you can see the full prompt. It's amazing. So you can figure out how they made that completely remarkable piece of artwork and you can mess with doing it yourself. You can actually just copy the prompt, paste it into your own copy of Midjourney, and then make something similar. Start thinking of AI as your second brain. Think of it like an ever-present tutor on really difficult topics that Google or even professionals can't easily help with. Examples are like, explain this topic in 50 words or less. Teach me subject like I'm new to it. And use lots of analogies and metaphor because I don't actually like the topic that much. Or compare A to B and give me examples of how they're different. I use ChatGPT, I'm guessing probably 20 times a day, probably some more like between 10 and like 40 times a day. I mean, I am really incorporating it and, and I recommend that you do the same. And the aphorism for the week, curiosity is the very basis of education. And if you tell me that curiosity killed the cat, I say only the cat died nobly. Curiosity is the very basis of education. And if you tell me that curiosity killed the cat, I say only the cat died nobly. Arnold Edinburgh. Unsupervised Learning is produced and edited by Daniel Meisler on a Neumann U87 AI microphone using Hindenburg. Intro and outro music is by Zombie with a Y. And to get the text and links from this episode, sign up for the newsletter version of the show at danielmeisler.com newsletter. We'll see you next time.